Hi, everyone. Welcome to MaxWeb Video Podcast. We are so honored to have my good friend and one of the smartest people I know with us today. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I, uh, I want to hear, like, we have a few more minutes to let people join. I want to hear what you were up to the last, you know, few months. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about it today, but it was transitioning from Q4 to Q1, all the ins and outs of that, doing year-end, year-beginning. Um, my company's been growing, hiring new people, and obviously just, you know, trying to stay afloat in, in the ever-changing marketplace, you know, that's out there. So other than that, I've been spending tons of time with my friends and family. Um, wife and kids are all doing great, so all that I can't complain. How about, how about you, family? How are you doing? So happy to hear that same, honestly, I mean, and I'm hearing this more and more often. A lot of people took the time, you know, the crazy time we, you know, we are all experiencing as a positive to spend more time with the family. Mm -hmm. So while you heard a lot of the complaint stories in the beginning, as you know, everything progressed, I really got a lot of uh, great stories like, you know what, I'm spending a lot of time with my family. I'm doing great. And I'm so glad that you shared, right? It's it's the same scenario here, right? We uh, plus we can focus more on our work. I mean, <laughs> mm -hmm. for a workaholic, being able to have all your team at home, uh, it's it's great. <laughs> it is, yeah. We've been mostly satellite for years, anyway. We did have some office space that we closed up, um, but you know, obviously having everybody locked in and in their home offices and you know really you know reachable at all times has been good. I think people are probably putting more hours than they ever have, so. Um, but doing so on a more relaxed schedule almost. So I agree. And you know, before we before we started, I um Joe and I had a tiny little conversation on how great um is our industry because we actually are trying to help others. And uh, Joe, you can share, but uh, you know, you, you said you got a few emails from people that were able to succeed with native. Yeah, you know, I, I do a fair amount of talks and lectures and speaking events. And, you know, you never know if your message is any good. Anyone's taken anything from it. But, you know, in the past six to nine months, I've gotten probably five to ten different emails from people that either, you know, watch me speak or see, seen a lecture or something like that and have been inspired by it and moved some of their business over to Native. And some people have quit their day jobs and are now, you know, full-time affiliates or got out of Facebook and now are fully on Native. And, just to hear something like that, it's you know, it's a little bit heartwarming, you know, and that what you're saying out there is helping people as opposed to, you know, just speaking against a computer screen sometimes. I agree. I mean, I get so excited uh, and I usually try to tone it down, but it's the best when you hear the stories, when you have affiliates that are just getting started, uh, fast forward a few months, uh, you know, and especially with native, because with native is true. You need to invest your own money. You need to really invest in your education. Um, so it's not as easy. However, when you see people break through and being successful and usually once they get to that successful point, they are financially doing really okay. It's, it's the best thing. So, you know, we are really hoping today with, with our podcast and, you know, Joe being so gracious with sharing information with us, we truly believe we're going to help some of you guys, maybe a lot of you. Um, so Joe, I, I know you have some slides prepared for us. Um, if it's cool with you, I would love to see what you have prepared. Yeah, so I just kind of talked about transitioning from Q4 into Q1, some tips about, you know, offers to run or ways to focus or ways to manage campaigns, some overall strategy tips and, and kind of how we do things internally. Um, and then we'll do some Q&A. You know, I don't have a ton of nitty gritty details, but there's a lot of uh, stuff you can answer in Q&A to show you some more details as well. So that sounds amazing and we are so excited uh we already have a lot of our friends on hi guys so you know we'll we'll get started look at those beautiful slides oh my god <laughs> i don't know how to do these this is my my graphics guy so don't think i do any of this stuff myself don't worry about it um, <laughs> just a little brief background on me um those who don't know me um i'm the ceo of roi marketplace we are an agency um we focus almost exclusively on native marketing we do a little bit of facebook and stuff but our our primary focus has been native. So um, I've been doing this for about 15 years now. Um, started off with a company called Pulse360, evolved into my own company about six years ago. Um, and, you know, it's been great. You know, I really can't complain. We found a, an open spot in the marketplace for people that really didn't understand native fully. And we decided to, you know, take that over as our main focus. And ever since then, the company's been doing well. So I can't complain at all. 
<laughs> um, so kind of talking about Q4 um, and Q4 and native is great for some and tough for others. Um, you know, so your things like your health offers, your health and beauty offers, weight loss, feeling fit, anything like that just dries up. You know, things get really hard to market those. Um, obviously, the rates start to go up as brands start to get into native for the holiday shopping season. Now, that being said, certain offers do take off. Um, holiday shopping offers. People run a lot of the gadget type listicles that I'm sure everyone has seen where it's the 20 coolest you know gadgets for Christmas this year. Um, the arbitrage stuff tends to pick back up, which has been largely dead for a good part of the year. So um, all those things come to a head. And then right after Christmas Day, everything just changes dramatically. And I don't know you know, how much of your network is built around the, the holiday shopping season on it, but obviously we see a lot of different things happen, you know, from really day after Thanksgiving, right up until the day after Christmas. I'm glad you said that because we all, it doesn't matter what type of niche or category you're used to running, uh, different quarters and uh, the seasons really impact how we do things, right? We are the lucky, you know, I think we're very lucky because we do very well in quarter one as well. So that helps with health and weight loss usually goes, you know, I, I think it goes great in quarter one. It does, you know, and it's all about staying topical. We'll even get to that more in a second. But, you know, those same offers tend to see huge drops in conversion rates in November and December. So um, if you're trying to, you know, push a rock up a hill and still make those things work, it's very difficult. And some people are just stubborn and say, it's going to work no matter what I do because this offer is a good offer. It's a matter of just being topical and thinking about what's on people's minds, right? And right, it's not around losing weight or it's not around feeling healthy during the holidays. It's about, you know, family time, obviously shopping for their family and loved ones, you know, and all the things that kind of come into the head with that. And then really we, uh, we're talking about transitioning right into Q1 and this happens directly after, after Christmas day, we've seen, you know, first and foremost, a major drop in comp competition out there. All the holiday shopping stops, the brand advertising stops, you know, all those rates that were super inflated, the DSPs open up, everything gets to be much more competitive or basically like a, you know, a reset. Of, of the overall market bidding structure. Um, on top of that, you know, the conversion rates go way up. You know, if people want to get healthy again, they want to start to lose weight. We all packed on a few pounds due to, you know, eating around the holidays or just COVID in general, being in our houses. So things like weight loss offers, staying fit, all these things really start to skyrocket as people, you know, get next that frame of mind. People want to get more financially stable. They start to think about um, how much debt did they incur? Um, you know, how can I be better about managing my finances in this new year? All these things are just a major, major shift in the marketplace. Um, so the important thing is to stay topical, right? How do you evolve your marketing strategy to run offers that are going to greatly be in front of that, that type of um, mindset? And again, if you're still trying to push the gadget offers that were maybe working three weeks ago and wondering why your conversion rates dropped by 300%, it's a matter of people aren't thinking that way anymore. Yes, you can still get sales. Yes, you can probably still sell it and be profitable to some extent, but it's not going to be that hot offer that you can scale to super high levels. I'd imagine you guys probably saw a major increase in your volume on those offers, you know, come January 1 for sure. Crazy. I mean, it, it, I, I want to say 40% more traffic um, as soon as January hit. And the brilliant part, it continued through mm -hmm. February and March, um, which is great. I mean, you know, you still have a lot of people shopping, but it's so important that you mentioned this because uh, we see too many affiliates that are getting started and they get so excited when uh, one of the offers works well. And if that happens to be an offer that does well in December, um, you know, you see the struggle and they want to really keep at it in January. But many times, you know, it's when we say something is seasonal, we mean it because we've seen it year in and year around. I think every offer is somewhat is seasonal, right? You know, so we see these shifts all year round about this particular niche gets hot in March, April, and May, and this particular niche slows down in the summer, right? And people's frame of minds, back to school times, warmer weathers, shifts in the marketplace, stock market shifts, all these things can affect your, your advertising, right? To be honest with you, people don't realize that people are seeing your ads all the time. They're not when they don't convert, when they're not seeing your ads every single time, they don't convert, right? It's a matter of just what that frame of mind is. And certain times of year, they're better for certain types of offers, period. You see it every single year, year in and year out. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to add something here real quick because I agree. And I have seen product owners 
who gave up on an offer because it wasn't converting for a couple of months. And, you know, with us, we've been doing this for a few years. We won't tell you how many because we are younger than we look. Uh, but I've seen it beautiful offers that I knew they're going to last, you know, come September, they will convert again. But product owners, they, you know, if they don't see conversions for a couple of months, they freak out and they're like, okay, time to go and create a completely new offer. And that's not always the smartest approach. No. And so obviously, you know, we're on the agency side, right? So we're talking directly to these clients. We're spending their money for them. So we have these conversations starting in October, you know, Hey, expect the holiday slowdown, expect after, you know, November, things are going to really start to get slow for you guys. Your conversion rates are going to drop, plus volume, all those things. Every year, it's just as bad as we think it's going to be. And every year, it happens. Um, you're never fully prepared for it. And if you can educate people about the seasonality, it tends to be a little bit easier to have those discussions. And obviously, we see their volume go down. We don't continue to spend money at a high rate for losing it because obviously, business 101, right? Um, but seasonality is just critical for a good marketing campaign. All right, so now we're transitioning from Q1 to Q2, right? What's going to change? Um, at this point in time, we traditionally see the rates start to normalize a little bit. Again, they're super high in December. They're super low in January. Now they're starting to stabilize, right? To that probably where they're going to be throughout the remainder of the year until we get back into Q4. Um, budgets start to stabilize. You know, people that were dumping a ton of money into January for weight loss offers because they're going to look, we're going to sell a, you know, a million bottles of our, our diet pills by January 31st because that's when the New Year's dieters start to die off, right? All those things start to rationalize back to a normal level. Budgets are going to stabilize. All those things are going to be. Now, how, about you, how do you ride this out and be profitable on a more consistent level? First and foremost, again, stay topical. Can't stress this enough. People are seeing your ads. People are clicking on your landing pages. The more topical you are, the better you're going to be. Um, we ran some great campaigns right around election time. And in the U.S., when you know Joe Biden came in and, and Trump went out, people were very worried about their, their financial status, right? their retirement funds. You know, How am I going to make sure my 401ks are stable, my stock markets? Because there's the unknown of what's going to happen in the marketplace for the next 12 to you know, 18 months. We saw a massive surge in investment, alternative investment campaigns during that time. Conversion rates went up by three to 400%. Um, you know, very high quality people who are looking to speak with financial type advisors. And it was one of our biggest campaigns, or a few of our biggest campaigns, were all financial in Q1. Um, that's starting to fizzle off a little bit. Okay, the initial surge of worry is over. Now what's the next thing that's going to kind of creep up, right? So you got to think about, okay, weather's warming up. People are getting outside. They want to be healthy. They want to stay fit. I'd imagine we don't have a client in that space, but online exercise has to be huge right now. You know, again, thinking about COVID, we're still not going to gyms. We're still not going out as much. Um, obviously, look at Peloton over the past couple of years. Right? Their business absolutely exploded because they have a perfect business model for, for COVID-type stuff, right? Um, so staying very topical, I think, is key. Home improvements. People are going to start to, you know, look to better their homes, um, all that. And I think a, a big point of this is riding inconsistencies, right? So... We've run a lot of Facebook in the past, and I think that, you know, native's a bit more volatile. And I think it's like, when you're on, you're on. There's certain weeks I feel like I'm the best media buyer in the world, and my campaigns are all in the green, and this is great, and this is easy. And then there's weeks I look at my campaigns, and I'm like, I can't get anything possible. And it's a matter of understanding that, look, it's not making you a bad buyer. It's not making you do anything wrong. You just have to learn that when it's not converting that well, you know, drop your bid down and kind of rot it out. I personally, it's very news-driven. Whatever is in the news, I think, is going to very much impact your conversion rates. But it's a matter of just these cyclical things that we deal with week in and week out. I mean, I think three weeks ago, I had one of the best weeks in my company's history. This week, I'm looking at my numbers, and I'm like, man, we're just a little bit off right now. And I can't put it pinpoint. I can't say why it is. It's a matter of, you know, riding it out per se. I want to underline that for a second. So what you see in the news impacts our even conversion rates, dare mm -hmm. I say, right? Yeah. And that's a beautiful concept. And you're not the first person that, you know, kind of made an allusion to this. And uh, what we were trying to tie it in in the past is the customer behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Because as affiliates or as product owners, we tend to think um, the offer is everything. Mm -hmm. But we forget that we need the customers to purchase the offer, right? So I think it's brilliant and very wise 
to, to analyze the customer behavior. And that's what's going to help you with the content as well, right? Even right. if you don't think for your media buys, you're going to need a good headline or, you know, content is important because it goes to the psychology of the customer. So that's, yep. that's awesome. It is. And we're going to kind of get into that in a second, but content is absolutely king, right? And you got to sell to a need for the consumer and you have to be factual and, you know, sell something without being misleading. And I'm, I'm very big on that, right? So, yes, you can use a little bit of scare tactics. Yes, that's marketing 101, right? You know, hey, are you, are you secure in your financial service? Hey, do you like the way you look in the mirror, right? But you can't be misleading to people. You can't tell them your magic pill is going to help you lose 100 pounds in two weeks and you're never going to need to, you know, diet again, right? Because that's just going to, A, gonna make your business very short-lived, and B, it's going to make you unreputable on the internet, which is never a good thing. 100%. Okay, um, this is kind of what we're leaning into, right, is choosing offers to outsmart your competitors, right? Again, looking at needs in the marketplace and picking out offers that are going to fit those needs. You know, you don't want to advertise, you know, a, a smart app for your phone to a 60-year-old demographic, right? You don't want to advertise alternative investments when the stock market is going through the roof and say, hey, you know, be scared about your retirement income, even though the stock market is going crazy. Right? It's staying topical and understanding what's happening in the marketplace and choosing things that, again, are going to outsmart your competitors. I'm always very big on finding unique offers. Um, if you're running the exact same offer as 30 other people on the internet, it's very hard to make it profitable, in my opinion. Um, you got to be, you know, innovating in some way. Um, but again, thinking about what's going to be the best things for what's currently going on in the market. So health-wise, again, we're looking at people that want to trim down, want to look better in their bathing suits, want to feel better. Again, we've all, I know I've gained some weight in the, in the COVID times, right? We all want to kind of shed those pounds. We want to get back out in the sun and start feeling good about ourselves. You know, financially, we've kind of hit on that already, but, you know, the market, especially in the U.S., has been very volatile. And I don't really follow, you know, foreign markets as much as I should, but I'm sure a lot of volatility happening around the world as well. Mm -hmm. um, lead gen is huge for us in the summer. Uh, we see home improvement leads go through the loop. We do solar, we do roofing, we do windows, we do um, home heating and air conditioning systems. We do a lot of things like that. Um, insurances, life insurance, auto insurance. Mortgage has been huge for us in the past. I hear it's coming back this year as the rates again kind of normalize. So all that is um, kind of interesting. Um, and then one thing that I think is interesting is list building. Um, we're seeing more and more clients start to give up a little bit today to get a lot more tomorrow. And what I mean by that is they start to bucket people based on email signups. They offer, let's say, a free ebook or a free newsletter or something for people in a certain demographic. It might be, hey, if you have diabetes, check this out. Or, hey, if you, you know, are looking at stock investments, check this out. You collect those email addresses. Now you've got an actual asset that you can then market to time and time again. Um, and if your content is good, it can be a very, very profitable way to run a business. We see a lot of our clients kind of not shifting to this business model, but adding this business model to the portfolio. You see your employees doing the same thing or? Of course, absolutely. And uh, not at first, right? So when you start dealing with new product owners, uh, I think it's our job to to help them, not necessarily educate them because we're not trying to be, you know, uh, smarty pants, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, we need to help them understand that, you know, if the business model changes a bit, uh, we've seen stuff like this work, so. You're right. Especially if your offer is a little bit more in the gray area, right? And again, I'm not advocating anybody want a dirty offer. I'm very against that. But if you're running, let's say, a CBD product, right? Not all networks are going to want to have that on their network. It's a legit brand. There's something wrong with it, but you're struggling to get approvals, right? right. We could do a simple email capture for anti-anxiety medications or something like that. Usually you can get emails for less than $2, a lot of times less than a dollar on native. You drop those people in the responder series, as long as your conversion rate's about 1%, you're still making your CPA about a hundred bucks, give or take a little bit. Um, so, and on top of that, you're building a real asset that you can then market to over and over and over again. You gotta give it up. It's not something where it's, hey, I'm gonna spend a hundred dollars, make 150, but you know, if you have a long-term play in mind, especially product owners, you know, it's a great way to really add a lot more value to your portfolio. Yep. And I think they, a lot of the new product owners, I think they understand this better because um, they hear the horror stories and the war stories of mm -hmm. product owners that maybe, uh, you know, they went too aggressive in their first year. And yeah. how many of those are, are still around? Not 100%. many, right? So I, I think people are starting to learn from other people's mistakes, which it's a good thing, right? That's what we want. 
It is. And, you know, I think the more people educate themselves about that, you know, the less flash in the pan type clients you're going to have, right? We've all seen that offer pop up, spend a couple million dollars in 60 days, then it's just gone. It never comes back, right? A lot of times it comes down to processing issues or doing something incorrectly, but sometimes just not about that long-term, you know, play. Um, I'm all about long-term business. I don't want to make $100,000 on month one and then $0 on month two. I think that, you know, more stable business is better for everybody. 100%. That's how we do things. And I'm so humble to say, you know, we've built such a good brand in a short period of time. And that's why. I mean, it's, 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 I think it's common sense, but look at these guys. I mean, Joe, he, he's made more money online than a lot of people I know. So it, it works. Like, be a good person and have a good morals. <laughs> it is. We've given up a lot of you know, revenue by not running dirty offers. And we get them thrown in our plate sometimes and we know that offer could take off and spend a ton of money and, you know, we'd make our, our bottom line on it. But it's just not the business I ever want to be in. Um, and let's be honest, I'm sure you deal with this. Those guys don't get paid a lot of times, you know. So if I rack up a quarter million dollars in debt for someone and they have their mids locked up on them and I don't get paid on that traffic, that's hard, right? That's not any business wants to deal with. So I'd much rather take a little bit less and be stable for the long-term growth. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up also. We had in the last year so many affiliates that came to us because they were burned. They were burned and because they didn't get paid by product owners. Um, you know, so you do have the good product owners, but uh, this is why, I mean, to any product owner watching, that's why affiliates will many times choose a network or yep. you know, they'll be terrified of talking to you because they got burned so many times. It's not just, a, you know, a story you hear um, every so often. It's, it's actually... Almost every other week, I hear a crazy story of like, we're talking about, you know, half a million dollar bills of writing yep. media wise and not getting paid. So, uh, I mean, be careful. This is for the affiliates too, right? Um, there are many offers we don't do, we don't handle on MaxLab, right? So um, we are happy to refer you, but if we won't be able to refer you to product owners many times, unless we know for sure they pay their bills, right? So it, it just makes sense. It does. We hear it too. You know, I mean, people getting burned for hundred, two hundred, $300,000. I mean, how do you sustain that as a business? Right. And I guess if you're living in a world where it's all fake money and it's, you know, nothing's, you know, going to matter long-term and maybe you can just get by week to week with that, but you know, not the business I've chosen <laughs> for sure. 100%. And then, you know, kind of the last point here and something that I've been really trying to shift my business towards is going international. Um, so the U.S. rates are ridiculously expensive. We fight, you know, every single day for, you know, branded U.S. content, and we see the rates, you know, dollar, dollar fifty, two dollars, three dollars a click for premium content. That's hard to make work, right? I mean, it's great for the business that native has evolved to a point where it's gotten that competitive, but it also makes it harder to make some of these other offers work. So, um, we have had a huge focus on going international. And that's a matter of, you know, lead gen or product sales or anything like that. Um, and it's the same things all hold true. You know, it's a matter of finding the need inside that marketplace, inside that country, inside that audience, and then selling a product to that need. We've had some great wins over the past year, you know, campaigns in France. And um, we had one in Singapore. I think we went in Indonesia. Just these little campaigns that pop up, and they're great campaigns. And they're, you know, if you can kind of find those offers that are a great fit across the countries, you're going to see rates three, four, five, six hundred 600% less than you're going to pay in the U.S. The conversion rates aren't quite as good, but it's definitely a balancing act between the two. It is. I mean, I mean a, a lot of our clients that are here, you know, they already run on MaxWeb and there are uh, offers that actually, you know, ship internationally. And it's mm -hmm. so beautiful for us, especially on native and social, because that's, you know, the chunk, the bigger chunk of our traffic. It's, you're right. I'm, you guys, I promise I did not tell Joe to put anything in here. <laughs> it, it's, you know, you see it works. International traffic, it's such a great opportunity. So I'm, I'm glad to see you confirm that for us. It is, and even more so, not English speaking, international, right? Um, if you can find an offer that's written in Spanish and you've got great translation teams and you can push that offer out to Spanish speaking geos, you're going to be paying 
pennies on the dollar for a, a premium US click, right? And again, I know conversion rates don't match up one-to-one, -one, but at that point in time, it's a math game, right? Um, and I personally, you know, I've seen some offers absolutely explode by that. We had an offer in France that did amazing. It was a silly little lead gen offer for home improvement in France that actually took off and was massive for us. I wish I had 20 more of those offers popping in my inbox every single week because they're just, you know, they're, they're super great to run, let's put it that way. Agreed. We have we have several French offers on MaxWeb, so I we're on the same page. Couldn't agree more. Cool. So um, well, I figured I'd cover this, even though most people probably understand this slide. But you know, why not cover it anyway? Um, I always look at diversifying my ad spend, right? And really the reason that my company has been successful is we don't just focus on one traffic source because there's a lot of volatility amongst traffic sources. You know, a, a big client can come in on, on Taboo and throw the whole network off for a couple of days because they're buying premium spots all day on MSN, right? Um, so it's important to stabilize yourself by running on a lot of different sources and it helps you see a lot less volatility across your, your ad spend. So, you know, maybe one day, Taboola is having a great day, but rev content's terrible. Maybe two days from now that might switch. And then maybe I see a great day from one of my push traffic sources. And maybe the rates get super low in the DSPs and Central and Zamanta and Verizon all take off, right? All these things are constant, you know, um, obviously things to watch and work through. Now, admittedly, it's a lot of work. Um, I'm lucky to have a great team in place that's able to manage this, you know, with me, alongside me, in a lot of cases, you know, better than me. Um, but we see so much more stability by diversifying our ad spend. So I look at like our tier one sources are the ones we all know about to build out brain Gemini rev content, right? And rev content is recently, in my opinion, gone from a tier two to a tier one network. Um, they've become phenomenal traffic for us yes. over the past, you know, 12 months, yes. 18 months. Yes. I, I'm seeing the exact same thing, and we uh, we spend a lot of time with a lot of our affiliate partners. We have a great relationship with Ref Content, and uh, you know it wasn't like this a couple of years ago, but now I can recommend it without feeling bad because I know they're going to deliver. So mm -hmm. glad you had it. Yep, and then we have our kind of our tier two or secondary sources, which got a lot of great traffic in them. Um, and that's going to be your MGIDs, Content Ads, Tap Natives, Ad Blades, and TVOs, and, and so on, right? Um, and then we do a lot of push traffic as well. So push, I kind of put in the same umbrella as native, even though it's a little bit different, but I still want it in a very similar mentality. It's a small image with a text ad, et cetera. Um, a lot more garbage in it for sure, but it's a lot cheaper priced than it is gonna be on the, on the premium content. So you know, we're buying on Propeller and Pushnami and Zero Park, the advertiser, AdCash, RTX, and a bunch of others. So. Then I kind of touched on the DSPs. Um, that gets very tough, depending on how competitive the rates are. Where you know we buy a decent amount of like volume and Verizon. You know, uh, Centro has been a great partner of ours. Savanta was huge with us. Although it's gotten a little bit more tricky lately, because they're now following very strict outbrain type guidelines. So they got a little bit tougher to buy on. But um, we spent you know hundreds of thousands or millions on some of these platforms. Now, do you mind if I ask you a question about DSPs? Because we, we are trying to do more with that. And um, on first contact, uh, they told us we need to spend 60K a year. Like, mm -hmm. um, is that, you know, common or, or not really? It is, you know, but if you break that down, it's 5K a month. I mean, really, what is that from a media buy perspective? I agree. I agree. I just wanted to make sure it's not like it's, it's common, right? It's not like, oh, these guys, I'm going to make them pay more. It is. No, it is. Um, and, you know, again, it, there's a lot of value behind that. Now, no, you are paying more for the traffic, right? Because obviously they have to make their money. They mark their stuff up by 10 to 20%. So when you're buying a click on Outbrain, you're paying 20% more than buying that click on Outbrain directly. But the nice part is you can sit in one traffic source and you can manage, you know, 30 different ad networks all from one seat. And you're really to set up a lot of whitelists and things you can't do at the account level. Um, which is hugely beneficial. Now, admittedly, it's a, it's a bit more work. Um, and if you're not careful, you could spend a lot of money very unintelligently. You know, but right. if you're on top of your things, you can really be pretty beneficial there. Right. And then kind of the last way we buy traffic is just by direct site buys. Um, so what we'll honestly do is we'll see a, a good looking site. You know, we see needed as well in here. We'll call them up direct and say, hey, I want to buy that ad spot. You know, what's it going to cost us? And we just negotiate either a CPM or a flat rate. And um, that's been huge for us earlier for the past, you know, couple of years. Um, not all sites allow it. You know, we do some of the big boy buys on like MSN and AOL where it's like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 K for a day. Um, we also do some of the small buys where it's like 500 bucks for the month. And, 
those campaigns, you kind of set it and forget it sometimes. But when you check in at the end of the month, you've made a couple hundred percent on them. It still really helps your bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad to see some of the names on there on tier two. We, uh, our affiliates do a lot of content to add, for example. So that's, mm -hmm. that's awesome. They've been around a long time. Um, you know, they've got a lot of really good traffic sources inside their network. Um, they have some crap that you have to weed out, but that's every network, right? I mean, Jibble has got traffic that I want either. Right? I mean, every single network has those same issues. So as long as you're being intelligent about it, mm -hmm. you can really kind of make things happen, which kind of leads us right into our next question is API versus no API, right? Um, so I think, in my opinion, to every massive spend level, you'd have some kind of API in place. Now, I will admit, um, Two years ago, when I was given a chat about this, I was fully API. I refused to put network pixels on my pages because I thought what happened is, and it did happen to be honest with you, <clears throat> if I give out brain my data, they sell it to my competitors, right? Hey, we have this campaign doing very well. You should do the same thing. Same thing on Taboola, same thing on the web content, yeah. the network wide industry. So I was super against um, any kind of pixels by the network levels. Everything I ran was via API. We use the optimizer personally. Um, I've also used Brax and Maximus and Ed Genius and some others out there. Um, they have all, they're all great. Optimizer is just kind of my go-to. So I had you know 100 rules all day running through different platforms, pausing based on engagement rates and, and conversion rates and all that. Um, so we still do that. But now we are starting to let the network pixels kind of do some of the work for us. So. Companies like Tubula and Outbrain and Gemini are starting to get more Facebook-y where they're allowing the pixels to be a little bit more intelligent, right? Yeah. You can now audience target, you can look alike target, you can demo target, um, and the pixels are starting to smart bid or auto-optimize based on your conversion rates. So while I would never say don't use an API, um, we are starting to use less rules in our API and letting the network do some of the work for us also. I agree. We uh, we you know we do the same. Um, it's no secret. We do a bit of media buys internally too. We mm -hmm. mainly do it to test the offers because at the time when we go and you know present it to the affiliates, we want to make sure it's it's decent, mm -hmm. right? It's our reputation on the line. So uh, long story short, right? The the media buyers were always like terrified of the pixels for the same reasons you explained because we've been at conferences and we had one of the reps at one of the big networks like this is what works. You should do the same placement. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's how the industry works, right? Yep. And one hand, it makes sense. However, I agree with Joe um, because we have noticed with Facebook, their intelligence, uh, you know, the, we had campaigns live on Facebook with almost no manual work. Yep. That's amazing. So then we figured, what if it works on native? And many times with some of the top networks, it worked. Basically, they did some of the work for us. Yeah, absolutely, dead on. And you know, so we have our rules running for like engagement rates, right? So we optimize heavily by engagement, and we we factor that as who reads my pre-sale page and goes on to step two in the process. So we're still blocking people off heavily for that. We block off by CPA. We're increasing and decreasing bids by CPA and all the certain things. But you know, while maybe a year ago I had 60 rules built on Optimizer, I might now have like 20. You know, and, and having the network do a little more work for us. So, I still think API is critical. I would never want a campaign without it. Um, but we are migrating to less and less. You know, need for it. let's put it that way. Right. Um, researching your offer, and this kind of comes into outsmarting your competitors, but you know, don't just log into a platform, pick out an offer, throw it against a wall, and say, why am I losing money, right? There's a lot of tools out there. Um, most of these are paid tools, but they're worth the investment, especially when I really kind of focus on native. Um, but one thing I will say here is don't steal your competitor's shit. I hate that. I hate people that log in, take their landing pages, take their offers, take all of their images, throw it up there, and try to outsmart them, right? Two factors. One, you're not going to win. Because if they're the top advertiser in that ad spot and you're taking their headline, you're going to pay more for the same traffic they're already paying for, like just based on how the algorithms work, right? So I hate people to do that. I'm not going to say I've never stolen a headline in my life, but really try to be unique, right? And when you see a campaign take off is when you do put out unique headlines, unique content, and you get better than your competition. So again, selling to that need, research an offer that makes sense for you. Think about something you really want to be into, right? What are you passionate about? What do you know a lot about? What do you think you can write good content around? Because you know, first and foremost, content's going to be king for anything that you do here. 
I'm, uh, I'm glad you shared this. Yesterday when we announced the podcast, we actually, um, in, we like to include a bit of content for the affiliates. So the, you know, the information we sent out there, it's not, it's not spammy in any way. So long story short, we actually included a bunch of uh, spy tools, a few of them that I've just noticed on your screen because yes, with- yeah, no, no, it's, it's it's beautiful, and I'm glad that you you shared those too because it's important. I mean, if you want to get to that next level, it's important to know what's working and what you know a lot of the brilliant people out there do. But don't copy. Do not copy content. Yeah, I'm I'm very big on it. Look, I mean, obviously you can take ideas from it. Again, I'm not gonna say I've never stolen an image or a headline in my life, but I really try not to. Right, we try to be better than that. Um, we have comp copywriters that are pushing out content for us weekly, and they're researching and they're finding ads and images and headlines from competitors, and they're flipping those out to various variations to try to outdo them. Right, um, small increases in CTRs can make a big increase in your conversion rates if you're if you're careful about it. Beautiful. Um, okay, pre-sale pages, content is king, right? This is a hugely important right. thing for, for any type of native marketing. Very different than Facebook, very different than YouTube, very different than any other platform out there, right? Is how do you educate your consumers, again, without misleading them? Um, in my opinion, the easiest way to get people out of the bottom of your funnel is to put more people on the top of your funnel. Very simple, right? So by doing that, you have content more engaging. Therefore, more people are making it from point A to point B. So think about it like kind of like this, right? If my current CTR from you know my landing page and my pre-sale to my offer page is at 15%, right? If I can increase that 15 to 20 and my conversion rate stays the same, what's that increase in my, you know, or decrease in my CPA gonna look like? And you know, mathematically it's the exact same drop. So we're always testing pre-sale pages. I've got a full-time guy that all he does all day is flip out pre-sale pages for me. He's trying different color schemes, different you know um, layouts, right rail, left layout, different headlines, different lead-ins, um, adjusting bottom, adding widgets. I mean, all day, every day. We find wins, we build in those wins. If we have losses, we pull on those losses. But putting out good content, Again, if you suck as a writer, hire somebody. There's a million you know, freelance writers out there that'll work for you for very reasonable rates. And if even it costs you a couple hundred bucks for a good pre-sale page, you're gonna make that up a hundred times over as that takes off. I mean, this is, I think, where people fall off in the business is they get cheap and they get lazy. And they just say, hey, I'm gonna log in to AdBeat. I'm gonna rip somebody's landing page. I'm gonna throw up their landing page. And I'm gonna try to you know, do the same thing they're doing. It, we see the biggest leaps and bounds by having good content. We had a campaign, I think it was three years ago, maybe it was two years ago, direct link into a VSL. And it was doing well and it was making money. We found this pre-sale page adjustment and a small little, it was like honestly about four sentences, increased by 400% ROI on day one of that. Campaign went through the roof as our biggest spender for like three months. So invest in it, put some time behind it. If you can't write it, hire someone to write it. Um, I've said this many times. So again, guys, I promise Joe and I did not speak before the podcast, uh, but I agree. And so many times, you know, we have uh, brilliant affiliates that say, you know what, I'm good at media buys, but I'm a terrible content writer. And time and time again, I say, that's fine. We have so many copywriters in the industry and it's, I promise you it's not costly. Even the, uh, no, not bad. it's not bad. And the investment, it's really worth it. It is. Yeah, we've got somebody on staff personally, but we've used freelance guys as well. And you're not talking about hundreds and thousands of dollars of cost to build out these pages, right? You can find them very reasonable and very good. Um, now, once you get someone you're comfortable with, obviously you can work with them on a long-term basis. But um, to be constantly tweaking these these intros, these headlines, these in, or these um, this content is just so critical for a successful campaign. Agreed. All right, here's a slide I, I, I love a lot is how to lose money in native marketing, right? And I've made every single mistake on this list, you know, but I think this is really bears to attention, something you can all live by. So number one way to lose money is no strategy, right? And that's lack of any kind of planning, lack of any kind of demographic planning, lack of any kind of content planning. It's just saying, I'm gonna throw up 30 images and headlines without any targeting on all devices and see what happens, right? Great, but you're gonna lose money on it almost every single time, unless the offer is just, you know, a God offer that converts at 10x anything else out there. Plan your things out, do your research, spend time, take the extra half an hour to invest in researching campaigns as opposed to throwing that campaign out and losing money on it. Um, number two, we've already covered, but it's mimicking your competitors and paying more. If you see somebody on MSN, you steal their entire ad and their entire flow, 
you're going to pay more for that traffic. They've been there for a while. They've been probably feathering their bids down for the past, you know, 30 days, 60 days, who knows? So if they're paying 40 cents and you're paying 75 cents for that same click, you can lose a whole bunch of money. God bless you. But, you know, I think it's better to kind of, you know, be unique. Um, improper campaign setup. Um, we personally set things up device, headline, and then test images. Um, there's other ways to do it. That's how I set things up. But setting things up, again, without the proper steps and strategies and just kind of hoping for the best, you're going to lose money for almost every single time. And then a couple more points. Um, one, I think, is just being stubborn and bullish, right? So I do this all the time. I think I can make any campaign work. I'm trying different angles out, different things, you know, kind of, you know, make something work is just not going to be profitable. Sometimes understand that, look, you know, that's a campaign either you need to set it and forget it at a low ad spend, or you have to understand it's just not going to be a profitable campaign for you. Um, getting lazy, I think, is a big one. I think sometimes, you know, we get a campaign working and we think it's going to be easy for the next, you know, 12 months and we just walk away from it. Um, these things need constant attention, you know, constant split testing, constant, you know, innovations on. So just because you're making money today, you may lose money on it tomorrow. Um, and I think this is my most important point is messing with a, with a profitable campaign. When something is working, when something is spending, when something is good, don't touch it. Don't adjust your ad copy. Don't throw new ads into rotation. Don't add new images into rotation. The second you do that, you throw a whole new monkey wrench into your campaign that could throw things off. I don't know how many times in my career I've had a campaign spending well, making money. I see I'm gonna dump in two new headlines, see what can happen with it, right? And the campaign goes to hell. Um, Still adjust your bids. Obviously, when things are hot, crank your bids up the day. If things are not doing as well that day, you can pull it back. But if something is working and making you money, leave it the hell alone and set things up in a brand new campaign. Keep working on it. Keep you know testing new headlines, new images, and new pages, but don't do it in a profitable campaign. Those are really good. <laughs> Really good. Um, a couple more slides, and we'll leave enough time for a Q&A. Um, optimizing live campaigns, things that we're doing all day, every day. Um, so pre-sale versus, you know, pre-sale pages, long versus short, right? So a short pre-sale page is meant to tease somebody, give them a little nugget of information so they hopefully watch your video or go into your lead form or go into your long form, right? Not a lot of content with them. They're a bit of a scare tactic, short content, you know, very, you know, very high engagement rates. We see CTRs between 30 to 70% on these types of pre-sale pages, um, and obviously conversion rates that hopefully will be decent. Um, then there's long-form pre-sales, right? So long-form is a lot more content. The CTRs will be a lot lower, but they're gonna convert a lot higher once people make it from page A to page B. Those are gonna have the selling points behind your product, the ins and outs behind your product, You know the reasons why you should do business with them, as opposed to the short one meant to just get you onto the next step in the funnel. Um, and then there's the VSL stuff, right? So I think you guys have a ton of VSL products. We do a lot of VSLs right. to, to use a pre-sale or not to use a pre-sale. Um, we almost always do, and it's the short pre-sales. So it's very Facebook ad type short pre-sale pages, small image, maybe three or four lines of text, just meant to tease somebody to educate them why they got to watch that video or why they're going to spend the next 30 minutes of their life watching your video, right? So. It also helps you optimize because then you can then see your engagement rates from page A to page B and make quick adjustments on the fly for that. Um, this other stuff we kind of mostly already covered, you know, investing in your pre-sale pages, being strategic about your ad testing, setting realistic goals I think is important. Um, not some campaigns are a $500 a day campaign. That's all they are, and that's fine. You know, don't try to make a $1,000 a day campaign or a $500 a day campaign. It's just not worth your time or effort. You know, I'd rather make... 20% ROI in 500, then lose 20% in 1,000, right? Why would you not? And then again, we covered most of this, but you know, audience targeting, demos, AIs versus manual campaigns, remarketing, I think is so important. Um, and another important point here, and something I push a lot is stop only caring about MSN. Um, I hear affiliates that all they want to be in is MSN, MSN.com, MSN, the great. It's a great site. We do a ton of advertising on there, but there's a lot of impressions out there in the world. MSN's only a small fraction of those. You know, so every site has a value. Every site has a bid point where they make money for you. And there's a lot more sites in the world than MSN. I've said that many times too. So now is my time to tell you why. I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Cool. And I think we've covered most of this again, but we'll just kind of fly through this last couple slides. A um, couple helpful tips is just thoroughly researching your offer, you know, paying attention to your copywriting um, and your ads. Images get the CTR, but headlines get the conversions, you know, so it's great to have a super high CTR, but if it's just a high CTR, no conversion on the back end, you got to find that happy middle ground, right? So um, we've always found the best way to increase CTR is by having better images, but the headlines can be where you get your actual conversions from. And then I had a client call up this one time, but it's the best way I can put it is find your God image, right? So for some reason, you find this one image and your campaign just tends to go through the roof. They click better, they convert better, they do amazing, right? Find that image and then hold on to that image for as long as you can. Um, we see this happen a lot. <clears throat> we see once this image is found, man, our campaign spend exponentially from then on out. And then a couple more things is just it's not working, turn it off. You know, again, stop trying to be bullish and stubborn. If something's not making you money after a fair amount of time, try something different. Try to innovate some new ideas. And then again, we kind of talked on this part, but, you know, knowing your weaknesses. If you're not a good copywriter, go hire one. If you're not good with Photoshop, go hire a designer. You know, if you really want to invest behind your campaigns, you're not going to be profitable unless you kind of do the extras. I agree. Really good okay. stuff. We, we should have. Uh, That's it. <clears throat> I should have a page more than a big hug and a virtual smile for this. This is. <laughs> Um, I'm going to pull my Skype in a second because Juliet um, messaged us last night, you know, because okay. of the time zone, not everyone was able to join. But first, I'll take some of the ones we have live here. So, Tim, can you please tell me what your average return on investment is for native? Longevity, I think you can see the question, too. I can. So minimum we shoot for is 10 to 20 percent. Um, you know, we have campaigns that are 200% and campaigns that are 5%. If anything is profitable, we usually keep it going. Um, and longevity, man, we have got campaigns that I've been running for five years and have barely touched. We've got campaigns that fizzle out in 30 days. Um, a lot of it is, again, riding off the seasons and knowing that, hey, we're coming into this season for this client. But if you can be above 20% on a campaign steadily, you know, you're in a pretty good spot. And noted, everything we do is in a seven-day look-back window. So... Native is very volatile. If you make money one day and lose money the next day, look at how you're doing overall for the last seven. I'm so glad to mention that. Um, we have a lot of affiliates that are, you know, once they are doing really well with a, an offer, usually it happens over the weekend, right? We have three days of a high conversion rate, and then, you know, come Monday or Tuesday, the conversion rate is gonna be lower. Yep. So we always have the questions like, is something broken? Is something technically off? Or, you know, something happened with the mids? And, you know, we understand we always look into stuff, right? But with time, we get, we are very good, you know, and I'm sure the product owners you work with are very good about making sure that there are no technical issues with the campaigns. And uh, that's great advice, right? So look at the last seven days because it's going to be really hard for you if you go based on, you know, what happened in the last 24 hours to really determine if it's a good offer or not. So basically don't give up after just three days of testing. Yep, and VSLs tend to be better on weekends. Um, people have got more time to sit at their computer, you know, and they can watch a video versus during the workday. Um, but noted, we see a lot of people start the video on Tuesday and then finish the video on Saturday, you know, so it's not saying turn off your campaigns during the week, because that'd be crazy as well. Um, but you know, if you're looking at your timestamp versus your actual conversion dates, you see a lot of people click on day one and convert on day five because they finish a video then. Beautiful, great, great advice. All right, Adonis, for a beginner, do you recommend DSP or directly? I would do direct if you're a beginner. I would pick one network, maybe two. Learn it, find your controls, find your headlines, find your comfort levels, and then go from there. Um, I think Taboola and Rub content are the easiest to manage, personally. Um, I think Outbrain's a little bit trickier, um, but it depends on the offers you're running. You know, if you're running a diet offer, you're not going to get either of them, probably. You know, then you're probably looking at like MGID or Content Ad, maybe, or some others. Um, but I would say Direct is definitely best for beginners. Amazing. It's really good. All right, so now I'm gonna pull here some questions. This one is from Joel. Um, hey, I'm run a lot of VSLs, usually health. Uh, think about stuff that baby boomers would buy. Um, mm -hmm. 
I'm, I'm doing Facebook now, but I want to do more native. Can you specifically tell me two, three ad networks that would work well? Depends on how aggressive your offer is. Um, I would say to Bula Rev Content and, you know, probably MGID are all pretty good ones to start with. Um, I would definitely put a pre-sale page in just to kind of, you know, weed out and find your placements quickly. Um, block off anything that's below a certain CTR, which is usually anything less than 10 or 20%. And that varies, again, a lot by, by BSL. But um, learn it then, try to transfer over your best headlines and go from there. And you can probably, quite honestly, take your winning headline or your winning ads from Facebook and build those into pre-sale pages for native. Beautiful advice. You're good. You're really good. All right, uh, Joanna, thank you. You're welcome, we love you. Okay, as you said, native is volatile. Uh, so how does a new product with limited budget can be effectively utilized in choosing a platform? So, you know, again, it's, it's all about looking over a seven day window. So if you've got a $500 budget, you know, per week and break it out evenly and then find the days to convert the best and move the budget to those days. Um, I see a lot of clients that, you know, they want to set campaigns up to scale and all they care about is scaling. And it's like, well, you know, wouldn't you rather scale when things are profitable? Because no one's got unlimited scale based on losing money. So, you know, find some niches, even if it's only four or five sites that are working well for you, build your platform there and get your controls in place, get profitable. And then you can take those same learnings to new, new testing. Amazing. Um, all right, I'm going to take another one here from Andrew. So Andrew asked, he said, I am doing a lot of Facebook currently, but I'm putting money aside for native. Good for you. Uh, what is a good amount that I should have uh, saved because I'm going to be a brand new native affiliate? I think uh, like, okay, because he has a plan, right, Andrew? I know Andrew, he's a good affiliate. So he has a plan. He's doing Facebook. He wants to try native. And he knows usually you need a bit of money aside. Like, you're not going to spend... 5k the first week but you need a bit of money to really give native a proper try it does i mean so i i hate the what does it take to be profitable or those types of budgets because it's, it varies so much right so i'll be fully honest with you i set up most of my campaigns at 35 to 50 bucks a day in finished initial testing right we don't go out and spend 500 dollars a day in a brand new test i mean if they're working we scale them but we, we learn things quickly and and, and intelligently so you know, you could get started for a couple hundred bucks, learn what's doing better for you, and then work to scale down the road. Um, I think three to five K is probably a decent overall budget before you kind of walk away from it. Um, but again, it, it varies so much. I mean, there's campaigns you turn on day one, you think you're a genius because you're making money. And there's <laughs> campaigns that take, you know, months to get profitable. And it's not always the advertiser or the offer. It's just sometimes just the, you know, the way it is. A hundred percent. Thank you. All right, Pete, how do you determine placements in MGID, uh, yet they give an ID instead of the URL? We just bl block it by engagement rates. You know, so if we know a traditional profitable CTR for us is 10%, then we're launching MGID, we might block anything less than 5%. Um, and we add those into what we call like a blacklist bucket. Um, Optimizer is a very good job here where you can set up blacklists, you can automatically block new campaigns from them. Um, so that's how we do it. Um, quite honestly, the site name isn't important to me. It's all about how well they perform for us. Awesome. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, Amit asked, what is a good course uh, for Native? I think he means like an affiliate course, right? Yeah, so um, I actually spoke on one that on James Van Ellick route, which is nothing but natives. Um, that's about a year old. Now it's really great. You know, James is one of the um, big authorities in the landscape about that. Um, he also does Geek Out, which is a little bit more high end for product owners, but it's an opportunity to really engage with people. So I would say nothing but natives is the one I recommend. Nothing but natives. Well, yep. we get question a lot, right? So we actually started compiling a document uh, to be able to share with affiliates. And this came out a lot. So not just from you, because you just mentioned, you know, you were uh, speaking there, but it, it, it's actually coming up a lot. So I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's good to, to give it a try. It is. I've been dying to put one together myself, but I don't have the time, unfortunately. But um, oh, why I, not? You should. I'd love to do one, but you know, we'll see if I ever get enough time. Because I know our affiliates uh, would buy it. I mean, honestly, we have so many affiliates that you know they just want something that actually works. And sadly, you have a lot of courses out there that are 
um, you know, I'm going to be kind when I say this, they were written by people that don't actually succeed with native, right? So <laughs> I want to be very careful every time I ask someone about this, I want to make sure it's someone that actually, you know, obviously like yourself, you actually make money from this on a, on a constant basis. There's a lot of fake gurus out there. And, you know, quite honestly, there's a lot of free content out there as well. Um, mm -hmm. If you spend some time on YouTube, you can find some really intelligent people that are pushing out, you know, talks like this for free. Um, where you can learn a lot from them. So um, paid courses are great and there's some really good content out there, but there's a lot of good free content also. I agree. All right, Adonis, how many whitelist widgets are recommended to scale on, I think, rough content? Varies. So most networks, you can't run a pure whitelist anymore. Um, you can hack it through optimizing and through, you know, some some API tools, but you can't just pick up your whitelist. Um, as far as how many widgets, I would say, how many does it take, right? So, you know, we've got campaigns like Taboola lets you block 1,500 publishers. So we got campaigns, we block all of those. We have campaigns, we only block 10 publishers, right? And it kind of varies a lot by the offer that we're running. So um, I used to love back in the day, picking out 20 different publishers from like Outbrain and bidding super high in those publishers in a whitelist and only bidding on those. But those days are unfortunately gone. Um, so, <sighs> How many? I mean, again, I'd say a couple hundred at minimum is what you're probably gonna get down to in most cases. Brilliant. All right. So, Jerry, I have three offers right now that I'm trying to scale on native. Is that enough? Uh, or usually it's better to test multiple offers at the same time? Right. So I think Gary, what he means, like usually with uh, Facebook, because uh, we do have a lot of a lot of affiliates that do a lot of Facebook. And I noticed this beautiful trend last quarter where people are are wanting to give native a try. I personally love it. I always vouch for it. Um, I think they mean how many offers at the same time? Should they stick with one offer, focus on optimizing that or it's cool to, you know, pick several campaigns and run with those? I think it depends on your bankroll, you know, so if you're a guy who is willing to lose some money, you know, then test three, five, 10 offers, who cares, right? Something's going to hit and you're going to be profitable at that point in time. But, you know, if you're a little bit smaller, you don't want to, you know, go in the whole big time, I'd pick one or two. Um, again, do your research though. Don't just spray and pray offers. Really think about an offer before you launch it. You know, think about, is the timing right? Is the time of year right? Is it serving need? I mean, what's my demographics for this offer? Um, all those same questions you'd ask yourself before launching a Facebook campaign. That's awesome. Well, this I have a question too. I'm allowed, right? Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I, I want to know. So, when you work with product owners, uh, give me some advice of important things we should ask from product owners to make sure we're going to have a profitable campaign. For example, we know that it's important to ask for good communication, for them to be able to place pixels. Uh, what else? Because I really want to make some of the product owners succeed, but it's hard without giving them specifics. Like we want to run on native. We want to make sure we get A, B, and C from you, right? Yeah, so the technical side is important. Uh, obviously, you know, can you support post packs? What CRM do you use? Um, what are your current EPCs? Where are you currently buying traffic? Have you tried native in-house? If so, how'd it go? What were the offers? You know, what was your ROI like for those? Um, I think a super important thing for offer owners is attribution, right? So think about native as first touch, right? A lot of times you're introducing an offer to an audience. It's a cold offer. They haven't seen that product before. You know, that product converts down the funnel. You still get credit for that sale. If they convert on a Facebook remarketing page or whatnot. Um, and if not, do they factor that into your CPA? Because we see a massive spike in branded search, Amazon sales, um, Facebook remarketing when our native campaigns pick up. Now, we don't always get credit for those, you know, but if they're intelligent, they understand that the value that is bringing to the, you know, their bottom line, you can negotiate higher payouts, you know, maybe a profit share or something like that. Um, and I would ask, you know, how stable is your company? You know, how long have you been around? You know, uh, what's your, your monthly like? How many employees do you have? Um, questions like that, you know, if it's a, sim a simple guy who's using a fulfillment center to run a product out of his basement, well, yeah, that might make some money and maybe he will be around for five years and build a profitable business. But as a network owner like yourself, he may be also that high risk kind of person that's going to, you know, have trouble down the road. So um, stabilization, I think, is super critical. That's super helpful. 
Thank you so much, Jill. Well, we, uh, you know, I promise one hour as, as much as I would love to have you here for another one, and we will soon, right? It's, uh, you know, just by summer, it's, it doesn't mean we uh, can you, can't bug you again with, with questions, but um, for everyone watching and everyone listening, I would love for them to take what is your number one piece of advice? Like if you want them to take one brilliant advice from all our entire podcast today, what would that be? Diversify, you know, don't think that Facebook's the best and Native's the best or Google's the best or Amazon is the best. Think about your budget like an ecosystem um, where all things are feeding into each other. You know, have your funnel set up where you're dropping push notification on people's pages, you're dropping pixels, you know, make sure you're diversified in everything that you're doing because you're gonna be a lot more stable that way. That is gold, you guys. That is gold. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Joe. I love and appreciate you. And this was so, so valuable. Anytime. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you for watching Maxwell Video Podcast. We love you. And as always, just subscribe and you'll get a lot of awesome content like this. And we are going to share if, you know, Joe is okay with this, his email or at least the, the website with you guys. So in case you, you want to contact him, you know, if you're a product owner and you need a good agency, I, you know, it might be a, a, a really good fit. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thanks, guys.